Welcome to Aussie Ambitions Podcast, where we meet with everyday Aussies that are pushing ahead with their goals and ambitions in life. Join your host, Scott Robert Springer, to explore the future of entrepreneurship, work-life balance, and reaching beyond your comfort zone. So stay tuned for some tips on living life the Aussie way. All right. Welcome to the Aussie Ambitions Podcast. We've got a guest with us today. Her name is Jodi Watkins. How are you, Jodi? I'm great. Thank you. Excellent. So Jodi is a founder of the Earth Skin Beauty and Wellness brand, and it's a new initiative that we've come across here on the Gold Coast and just being aware of what's happening on the beauty industry. Um, could you tell us a bit about uh, yourself, Jodi, and what you're working on? Um, yeah, so basically a little bit about myself is I've been in the beauty and makeup industry for about 21 years now um, and this brand or the idea behind it has been something that I have had sitting there for a good 10 years maybe um, and started working on it about four years ago. Um, yeah, started getting the wheels turning about four years ago and actually trying to make it a, a reality and come to life. Okay. So this is something that you've got a career of experience with prior. So you've had a whole career leading up to formation before the formation of the brand itself? Yes. Yeah, that's true. So I've been in the beauty industry for, for quite a long time um, in many different fields, different areas, doing lots of different roles. And um, yeah, that's ultimately, I guess, what's led me here. Okay. So the things that, that are really interesting for us to, to cover again for the listeners would be a lot of primarily people outside of Australia. Um, but this brand is, it's fair to say, essentially got an Australian DNA to it. Um, how, there's the name, there's the perhaps the formulation and so on. Um, could you tell us a bit about the link between the Earth, Earth Skin brand and the Australian factor of it? Yeah, absolutely. So Earth Skin, the name I came up with um, basically trying to get back to nature, getting back to the ground. Um, things were, you know, that the whole food markets, the farmers markets, all those um, kind of old school, I guess, things were coming back around in the last five or six years and really got me thinking about, you know, where everything's sourced, where it comes from, um, all those sorts of things. So I really wanted to do something that was quote unquote natural, but very um, Australian um, as well. I really wanted to be able to keep it here in Australia um, and look after local, you know, local people, communities and, and you know, producers. Okay. Um and I mean, creating a brand is, is very significant from my point of view, the marketing, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. There's the product itself and getting that through the, I guess, the established to get the right mix of, you know, doing what it needs to do. And then there's the, uh, the name and the messaging. Um, I mean, for you, you essentially established this whole thing. Is it just yourself or are there other aspects, other people that have helped you with various aspects? Um, yeah, look, I would be lying if I said it was just myself. I am definitely the face of it and obviously the, the um, you know, have the final say, but um, 100% there's a lot of people behind the scenes, you know, especially my family who, you know, constantly deal with ideas and, um, you know, for years I'm throwing things at them and names and ideas and formulas and all kinds of things from everything, from the colours to, you know, what we'll bottle it in, like what type of, you know, um, you know, product where we where we kind of advertise it in and everything from that to you know to till it gets on the shelf. But my family, as well as a lot of great colleagues, so really really good colleagues in the industry, um, 
I've been an educator for 16, 17 years. So I've got a lot of fantastic students that um, I've become friends with over the years that now have their own businesses. A lot of them are educators as well. So I look to my kind of whole community and bounce off of them in ideas and, you know, thoughts. This is what I'm thinking. What do you think? What would you do? So it's been a whole, a very big um, collaboration, I guess, over the years, but mainly definitely my my husband and, and my two adult children now have, uh, yeah, definitely the main main um, ones behind it as well. Yeah, nice. Mm. Um, so I guess just to help fill people in for people that don't really know the industry that well, um, it'd be interesting to just take a like a high level view of uh, essentially the layers of it. Um, you've got um, you've got products and and cosmetics and just the world of uh, beauty and product, and then there's uh, professional level um, like makeup artists and, and experts that can apply it. Um, is this is this a consumer brand that you're that you're building, or is it more of a professional level um, brand, or both? Yeah, great question. It's it's both. It's absolutely both. Um, our professionals know what they're doing and what they're using, and they're very obviously savvy, especially with ingredients now more than ever. Um, so my main, I guess, goal is to educate the consumer because they're the ones that don't know. Uh, and the thing that really got me in, really pushed me to do this and back it with education, which we will have up on our website. We've got a lot of um, educational videos coming out, is really my friends, my friends around me that are not in the industry. You know, I've got a lot of great friends, you know, a lot of them are nurses and, and every different type of industry to me that couldn't be further from what I do. And they were constantly saying to me, oh, why would you use that? Oh, where do I put this? Um, oh, um, I really like I heard this brand, but I don't really know what to do with it. And it got me thinking, wow, they really don't know what to do with this. They don't know how to use a cleanser. They don't know what a serum does. They don't know how to moisturize. How often should they moisturize? And for somebody who's been in it for so long, I never really thought about it. I never thought to, you know, put it out there. I'd always say to my friends, well, this is what you do. This is what it is. And they're like, oh my God, like I never knew. And that really got me thinking, well, if they don't know how many other people don't know. So this is definitely, I uh, really want to focus on getting it to the consumers and educating them um, on how to take care of their skin and look after themselves inside and out. Oh, wow. Um, I'm just thinking about the, the touch point in terms of where consumers, I mean, these days people can order, there's retailers and then there's sort of an online channel sometimes. Um, is there one, do you operate in all of those or is it, um, what's the main main place you might educate a consumer? At the moment, it will be through our website, so e-commerce, that's where we'll be educating. And then I myself as an educator, I'm still freelancing and traveling around a lot. And I speak to students and trainers myself as well. So I'm educating them that way. Oh, neat. Where, um, obviously travel is an interesting one these days, but um, mm. are, are there established institutions? Forgive me, I don't know exactly where they all are, but are we talking about beauty institutions? Yeah, so beauty schools, makeup academies, hair academies. Um, even now there's a lot of wellness schools popping up as well, which is great. So all of those sorts of things I'm kind of getting around to. Okay, very cool. And, and it would be a mix of um, almost like product uh, experience, like they're actually trying it and applicating, applying it on themselves? or Yeah, they... and doing treatments, yeah, mm -hmm. incorporating it into their facials, their makeup, um, you know, prep and things like that. So, yeah. 
Okay. I feel like I need to go into a step further to help people visualize what we're talking about in terms of specifics. So I know you mentioned um, uh, cleansers and different things. If there was a, are there some main categories just so we can get around, our head around what we should be visualizing, like a <laughs> bottle of this and a bottle of that? Yes. What, what is it? What is the product physically? Um, so at the moment, what we currently have, we have three different skin serums. So they are potent, all Australian ingredient skin serums. So they target different things. So when I started with this, I thought about what product we would bring out first and where we'd start. And my main thing is always people's concerns. Somebody, every time you talk to someone or in my circle, they've always got an issue. They're either got pigmentation, they've got redness, they're allergic to everything. You know, they've got dark circles, they're dehydrated. So skin serums for me, which are really targeting things like that, they're very potent. Um, and really active, they are where I wanted to start. I was like, right, let's get straight to the the toughest areas and the things that people are mainly concerned about and we'll launch with that. So that's what we did with our skin, our three skin serums. So we've got the um, Heal and Protect, which targets redness um, and really calms inflammation and all those sorts of things, and that is based on the Australian native finger lime. Then we have a vitamin C, so targeting pigmentation, uneven skin, you know, dark patches, and that is Kakadu Plum. So the purest form of natural vitamin C. Um, And then we have our last one, which is dark to light, which focuses on dark circles and dark patches and really brightens and hydrates. And the main ingredient for that is your emu apple. So all really strong Australian um, plant-based ingredients. Um, Plant fruit and flour is what we say we get um, you know, 99% of our ingredients from. So yeah, they're the three main serums at the moment targeting skin. And then we also do a inside out beauty collagen powder with zinc and vitamin C. So wellness from the inside out and beauty from the inside out. And then we just launched literally two weeks ago, our Keep a washcloth. So that is a makeup remover or basically just skin washcloth where you just add water. So no chemicals, no soap. Um, It's been fantastic for removing anything that you need to from stubborn makeup to, you know, just dirt and oil. Um, And that has sold out in, yeah, since we launched it three weeks ago. So they've sold out, which is fantastic. Um, Yeah, and Keeper, we named it the Keeper because that is Aboriginal for water. Oh, is it? Mm. Um, is it? I'll just make sure I understood that. Keeper, like how would you spell K-E-I-P-A. it? K-E-I-P-A. Ah, okay. Mm. So, yeah, when we were looking for names, um, you know, we we threw a, a million around the table, as you can imagine. This is the fun side of, you know, bringing a, a product out is the funnest for me is coming up with the names. Um, and I was really stuck on it because everything that I thought of kind of was already out there. And it was actually one of the girls in the office that said, why don't you think about, you know, obviously we, we you know, support Australian and local and Indigenous communities. Why don't you think about what's um, Aboriginal for water or skin? And um, and that's what we looked up and, and found that. Interesting. Mm. What what comes to mind is just hearing you talk about um, you know the fun side of the business and and, and just um, formulating all this stuff. I mean, you're really just creating something that's making it your own. But what what really jumps out to me is the fact that was there anything previous? Uh, you know, it's just a matter of time. So was there any established um, activity around building a, an Australian skincare brand previously, or was it really like a gap in the market that there just wasn't really a big player? 
Look, it's no, I mean, the skincare industry is massive, it's huge. Um, and my main goal was not just to bring out another brand, another, you know, skin cleanser, another serum, um, when the market is is very, very saturated. It was really focused on being a little bit different as being in all Australian. So, and that's a hundred percent everything from the glass bottles we source here, the caps, the labels are made here, to the ingredient inside. Everything is done in Australia. Not one thing is done offshore, which is probably unheard of. That would be the hardest thing to find. I know there is a few other Australian brands, but you know how much of it is actually you know done around here and locally and supporting the indigenous communities was my main focus and probably our biggest point of difference yeah i, w- I was curious about that um i guess i mean the the positive framework of it all is is idealistic i think many people would want to do that but then there's some things that get in the way so maybe like uh products are hard i mean the materials are hard to find or it's maybe a reliable seasonality to the cockadoo plum or something mm-hmm. is there anything that um that did sort of almost get in the way like it was just difficult to do and you had to push through it um yeah the whole lot in australia <laughs> was hard to do no i shouldn't say that um uh yeah look trying to source australian was hard definitely everything. I mean, like, you know, you could get everything that I need overseas for, you know, a hundredth of the price, but I didn't want to do that. And I was really adamant about not doing that and keeping it here. Um, So the actual, the liquid inside the actual product was the easy part, funnily enough, some fantastic chemists and formulators that we work with really closely um, in New South Wales. Um, they were great. They're fantastic. They had the, the, the you know, resources straight away. The thing I found really difficult was the packaging, the bottles, trying to get something in Australia. I had you know, thousands of people from overseas trying to to send me samples and, and product lists and things like that. And I, you know, just kept, you know, binning that, binning that. Um, so, yeah, trying to actually find things made in Australia was really, really difficult. Yeah, which I think now, you know, after what we've been through in the past year, people are realising how much is made overseas. Sure. I'm, 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 I'm sure that there is a shift now back in the direction where people are thinking, well, this, it pays off to have a little bit more control of uh, everything close to home, you know, food, supply chain, everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's super interesting. Um, the greatest thing about having it in Australia too is it's so quick. I can have things here so fast if we sell out. For example, our washcloth, you know, sold out um, in two weeks and it will be back in two weeks. So I'm not waiting six, eight, 12 weeks to have that come in from overseas. So we can get things um, back really quickly. Um, and if we sell out, things are made really quickly. So minimizing waste as well, you know, I can almost order it as needed as well. So we're only taking, you know, what is needed. Yeah, instead of buying in, you know, bulk hundreds of thousands of bottles and quantities and things like that. Absolutely. Um, interesting. So I guess I'm thinking of still the product and how, um, I mean, that the, you've got your brand, which is the, the naming and the the overall presence in the market, is it? And then you've got the product. So I imagine there'd be, have to be some protection around it, like IP protection or, you know, formulations and so on. Is that something that you had to get on top of and just understand the ins and outs of because people creating products are often sensitive to that or like I don't want to 
don't want the secret formula to get out and under lock and key? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, many of the names that I thought of previously were all taken, um, especially when you're searching IPs and things like that, um, and kind of went back to square one and just started really focusing and thinking about what kind of name do I really want to give it? And um, yeah, Earth and then Obviously, then we use a U, so U-R-T-H instead of the original way it's spelled Earth, um, you know, because there was a lot of other different things in that area. So we wanted to be different there. Um, but that was a lot to do with, yeah, IP as well, what was available and a lot of NDAs, so a lot of contract signing so that, you know, formulas and branding and things like that don't get copied and get out. So that's, you know, I had have a little bit of experience with that with my other brand. I um, have another company called Grafter. Lash, which is professional use only. Um, we supply to schools and salons and lash artists. Um, and so I've had that now for f- almost four years. So I had a little bit of experience going into it, knowing that even though that wasn't a company I had founded, I took over. But um, yeah, so a little bit of, of knowledge in the background. But that's that's tricky if you don't know what you're getting into, you know, and you spend all this time and money making a name and, you know, branding it and printing it and then find out that it's taken that's yeah big issue for some people yeah for sure uh, it's funny I almost feel like a bit of a shark tank moment coming on it's sort of like uh, <laughs> you know again it's not that often that someone would create something that has so much upside potential to it in terms of you own all the rights and um, and then it's just how that's rolled out so had that was that ever part of the thinking around um, what what do we have here and then would we take on investors or would there be anybody you know, just that whole ecosystem of, of growing. Um, was that part of it or is that, you don't have to tell us exactly no, what's going on. fantastic but. question. I get this a lot because um, funny enough, I've had multiple people, um, which is fantastic, believe in me and actually want to invest. And some really good friends have begged me to take their money and they want to invest. And um, that's so great. I'm so flattered, but I always say no. Um, obviously, I'm doing this for myself, I have my integrity and my ideas and my work ethic, and I um, don't want to compromise any of that. And uh, I'm definitely, yeah, in that mindset that I am doing this um, the way I want to do it, which is probably a bit selfish. But you know, being in the industry for so long, I feel that I have the experience to be able to keep it my own and make it work. Um, and do things my way. You know, I didn't start it to then get into it and have a boss as such or, you know, a board to answer to and things like that when something needs to be done or a decision needs to be made. I like to be able to make it, you know, myself and, um, yeah, and like I said, great team around me that obviously I need to to work off and definitely rely on them. But I am a little bit of a control freak in the fact that I definitely like to have the last say and make the decisions. <laughs> right. Yeah, look, I mean, I just, just put that out there and it was just an interesting um, thought and, it, and it, it was very clear to hear you describe it back. But I mean, it's interesting, the product itself is sustainable uh, base, um, but even the business model is almost like, I feel sustainable because the minute you bring in external factors like that, investors might, it might be an interesting opportunity, but it puts a lot of pressure. Uh, and like you said, you can get steered in different directions. Sometimes it's quite distracting and perhaps just helps. It clouds the mind maybe sure. in terms of what's needed. But um, uh, how about yourself? What uh, what do you like to do outside the business? 
Um, well, I usually love to travel <laughs> overseas. <laughs> um, yeah, that's definitely one of my biggest passions. I have always been a traveller. I blame my parents for that. Um, yeah, uh, my my father worked for, for Qantas when I was little, so we used to travel the world for wow. practically nothing. So that kind of got me, you know, in the kind of zone of traveling. So, um, and my parents were English, so I grew up a lot in the UK and we always, you know, traveled to the US and Europe and all over. We'd stop along the way because, you know, when I was a child, very long time ago, um, you know, you, you couldn't go direct to the UK. You had to have multiple stops to get there. So that was great because it enabled me to see the rest of the world and, um, and obviously fell in love with it. And yeah, definitely love to do that and eat all the great food and, um, you know, share many cocktails in these places when I'm there. Usually, oh, wow. oh, so we can't we can't miss out on that. That that's interesting. So being being the the son or a daughter of someone that has access to basically free travel, um, like what age would you have been like doing uh, all of this? I, before I was born, he was with Connor. So yeah, I was on a plane. I think I was three months old going back to the UK. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it, but as a child, you were able to travel. Oh right? yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. We used to go two or three times a year. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious on the frequency of it because you hear about people that have uh, access to that and um, either, and it sounds like they do use it a lot. So they're hopping on like just for a weekend, quite spontaneous. Uh, oh. Was it was it more planned in your sense? Like well, we're going to do a family trip? Yeah, definitely. It was always um, going back to see family in the UK. So long stints as well, like six, eight weeks. So it was never quick. Um, it was always, yeah, definitely long times. We'd always go for Christmases and, you know, to be with all the family over there. Um, my parents were both English and they moved here from the UK. So we had nobody here. Um, so I think around that holiday season, they always wanted to be back around family. So that's when we kind of go back for six weeks. Yeah, right. Mm. Okay. Neat. Um, and this, uh, this brand that you've created, is it have presence yet in England? Have you taken it across and... Maybe Not yet. Early. Um, yeah, that was the idea um, before, you know, a pandemic arrived. Uh, definitely the idea to get it across the world for sure and and let them try and see, you know, how beautiful our products are here and how pure, you know, our ingredients are in Australia. And, and I think... Um, now, after what we've been through, that's only even more evident now with, you know, how well Australia has um, kind of managed over the past 12 months. And um, yeah, I really want to get the brand out there to the rest of the, the world and, and show them what we've got for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine that uh, as long as people can visit the website and go through and place orders that in theory, it could be everywhere. Sure. Do you have to rely on, um, I guess, external distribution at some point? So say someone in South America is keen to get the Australian product. Um, does there have to be like a somewhere along the line a, a distributor that instead of shipping it from Australia? Yeah, I think so. That's definitely the plan. You know, the the, the you know the great side and the downside of being in Australia, we are so far away. So trying to get things to people quickly is hard. Um, so definitely um, we'll be looking for distributors um, around the world and have already started that. So things are starting to to roll there, but. Um, yeah, since the launch twelve months ago, it's um, obviously in the pipeline and it's a slow process. So yeah, like yeah, you said, yeah, you, you got to watch that growth because it, again, it creates lots of different challenges yeah, uh, along the way. So um, that's neat. Well, you mentioned the traveling a little bit. Um, I just had some notes here about that you'd maybe done a little bit of the uh, almost like is it just yourself almost like going around the globe with a laptop and this kind of thing, or is it uh, how what were your travel movements related to? 
Um, I've been fortunate enough to be a freelance makeup artist myself for nearly 20 years. So the last seven, eight, maybe, um, I have been spending a lot of time in the US, um, been lucky enough to do New York Fashion Week for the past seven or eight years um, until last year, of course, that was cancelled. Um, but yeah, so I, as a freelance artist and educator myself, it's taken me around a lot of different places. I've done a lot of education in um, Indonesia, in the USA, the UK, um, a lot of weddings as well, destination weddings. So, you know, Hawaii, Bali, um, all that sort of thing. So all those beautiful places. So that has been probably solely myself. Um, and then whenever my family can, they absolutely tack on. They will, you know, if they've got the time off and they are able to do that, then they love to come with me, of course. So we try and make a little bit of a family holiday out of um, some of the some of the trips for sure. Yeah, nice. I was just trying to picture uh, how the travel can be beneficial. And uh, I was just curious, where do your, um, when do your good ideas come to you? <sighs> um. It's a great question. Oh, look, literally anywhere, but I have recently started, my husband will testify this, he hates it, when I get into bed and I lay there at night, my mind will not stop. So, you know, years ago we used to do like the pen and paper beside the bed. Now I pick up my phone and I say, you know, hey, Siri, make a note, and I start talking into it and then stop. And, yes, my husband's not too happy about that, but, you know, I'm sure he can, you know, deal with it. Um, so, yeah, that probably when I try to lay down and stop and rest, and that for me is the worst time, like when my, you know, thoughts go crazy, like I get a lot of people, they see my lifestyle, I've got a lot of obviously very close family and friends and they always say, slow down, Jody. you know, stop, just rest for a minute. I'm like, oh, you don't understand when I stop, it's like worse. So let me just continue this crazy path that I'm on um, because it keeps me sane, which is, yeah, seems odd, but it's true. Yeah, neat. Mm -hmm. I can, I mean, I can imagine it's a little bit like a superpower. Again, for those that are passionate about what they're doing, um, Others may not get it. Sure. Um, do you think it's something that you could hand off to someone else, like almost like the, that experience that you have in getting the good idea, just working through it? Could you hand that off to um, someone else? Is that contagious, do you think, where you could almost have someone uh, uh, like a little sidekick or someone that, you know, <laughs> takes your passion and runs with it? Oh, I would love that. I'd love to be able to just hand it over some days um, because anyone that knows that's passionate about anything or, you know, starts their own ideas or is an entrepreneur in any way, um, the ideas just never stop. Your mind just never stops racing and I would love for it to um, be able to be assisted in some ways. Um, my daughter's really great. She, um, I mean, she doesn't think like me, obviously. She's 21, um, Brooklyn, and she runs one of the businesses for me because I'm away so much. She's fantastic. I do run a lot of ideas off her and I say, you know, can you just handle this? I've got to come up with a name for, you know, something. Can you give me your top five and we'll go through it? And and she's really helpful in that way um, and she gets excited as well. So I guess, you know, passion is contagious, but at the end of the day, yeah, she can't get in my head. I guess nobody can and it's hard to kind of share it and explain exactly what you're thinking and trying to, come across with but um but yeah she she definitely tries very hard yeah 
to understand. <laughs> that's neat. Yeah, I think that's probably where I was. I can relate to as well. Is it's uh, it's kind of neat to be able to. You don't want to do everything yourself all the time. It can be a little bit isolating, especially you got some genius ideas. But then, um, yeah, it's being able to be yourself and open and and have a circle of trust too. Mm-hmm. At some point, you know, that's important and very hard. You know, because you like you say you've got ideas and formulas and different things, and you know you got to be careful who you tell that to and who you share that with because. You know, I've been burnt in the past, absolutely. So, you know, you've got to be very, yeah, I was very trusting, too trusting um, early on in my career and, um, yeah, definitely learnt the hard way. So that's probably one of the reasons that I'm very close to investors, I guess, and partners, as you say. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Oh, I appreciate you uh, yeah, sharing some of the, the highlights and those challenges that can, mm-hmm. that can pop up, right? Um, maybe just, again, to get back on topic of the main people will be listening in on the idea of um, a skincare brand and, and trying to learn the ins and outs about that. But the makeup artists uh, as a profile, um, like the career path, someone will, will have an interest and then they do they must go through um, like a beauty institution or is it you could be a hobby hobbyist and turn that into a profession as well? Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm a big educator and I'm really big on education and I did it myself. You know, I went to beauty school and makeup school and, you know, continue to educate myself to this day. You know, every year we do something new. Um, But there are a lot of, um, you know, beauty people out there, a lot of makeup artists that are self-taught and you 100% can be. You don't need the credentials. Sometimes it helps a lot of times people will ask for, you know, certificates and diplomas and things like that, especially if you want to get into education, um, you do have to have that. Um, but if you just want to start a freelance career yourself, you can absolutely be self-taught these days. If you've got a real gift for it um, and a real, you know, knack for art, absolutely you can you can make a career on your own without any education really. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, is there a, like a standard kit? I imagine there would be, you know, people aren't going to invest in, a huge, huge, I mean, it costs money to upfront carry and carry physically carry around the products. Mm-hmm. Is there like a standard kit size that people are taking around with, you know, your, your essentials? Uh, I, I, that would be like from a lunchbox size to like a, you know, overseas suitcase. It could be endless. Like it just depends on the artist, depends on the job, you know, what your main focus is. Um, you know, I think people don't realize getting into the beauty and makeup industry um, that there's so many paths. You know, I was talking to this the other night with my students. I, I, I teach a lot and I was talking to them about makeup careers and I was like, well, are you going to be a bridal makeup artist? Are you going to be special effects? Are you going to be editorial? Are you going to be beauty? Like they're all very, very different careers and different kits and different kit sizes. So I think a lot of people go into it with the idea that um, they'll do a bit of everything. And sure, you can, absolutely. But really specializing and, and, you know, focusing on one certain area is where you can really stand out and excel, I think, in a certain, you know, kind of look or area of, yeah. of the industry. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and are they mainly independent in the sense that they, um, they're independently operated or is there more of like a, a business model where they're being pulled into saying like, uh, you know, a makeup company, for example. Yeah, brand. Well, you've got that option. I mean, you can go either way. You can freelance and do everything on your own. Um, If you're a really great 
you know, individual sole worker, that's fantastic. If you like more of a team, more of, you know, a company to work with and bounce ideas off and things like that, then definitely recommend getting into a brand, you know, working for some of the fantastic companies that are out there and and different brands that are available. That's probably my advice where to start. You know, you can build your kit as well that way because they get a lot of free products and, you know, they're regularly trained and updated with skills and things like that. So, you know, if you're starting out, definitely working for a brand would probably be, um, you know, a great start to get your foot in the door. Yeah, nice. Mm. Um, what just jumped into my mind was uh, thinking about all the YouTube, uh, you know, YouTube content out there on on makeup tutorials and so on. Is that something you have spent a bit of time browsing through to see what people are doing? Absolutely. Yeah, I love watching them. I can't do it myself ever. I'm not great at, um, you know, watching myself on camera and do th- doing things. But um, yeah, absolutely. You can learn so much. There's some really great people out there giving fantastic content. So just, yeah, find the people that you like and, and you know, be aware of, you know, where they're coming from and, you know, if they're working for brands or doing it for themselves or if it's their, you know, um, opinion or if they're being a paid influencer and things like that is what I would always just advise people to look out for as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate your perspective on that. Um, one thing I definitely wanted to ask you about is the, uh, the fact that you've been a judge uh, as part of a, uh, what's it, I think it's an Australian organization. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the ABIAs, which is the Australian Beauty Industry Awards, um, run a Makeup Artist of the Year Award every year. Um, So I've been fortunate to be a judge in that for I think this is about the eighth year that I have done that. So artists get to submit their portfolios and their work and there's a panel of judges um, and I am amongst some fantastic company, um, very you know, honoured to do that role. And we get to go through all of their portfolios, um, look at their credentials and things like that. And then we, we yeah, give them a, a number and, you know, basically a one to 10. And um, and at the end of it, they, there's a big awards night um, usually, which was virtual last year. Um, and yeah, they get awarded Makeup Artist of the Year. So that's um, something that's fantastic for our industry and, you know, completely wholly Australian, which is also so wonderful to support and um yeah be able to give back to the industry in that way yeah for sure so is it almost like um is it versatility of skill like you might go down the back of more dramatic makeup maybe even like uh for movies and things like that is it is it demonstrating skill across the board or is it more around um application of one technique for example yeah no they have actually different categories so there's like a bridal there's a you know special events um you know editorial and yes so they're all different so you could submit yourself into one or all area so that's great too so you're not kind of you know pigeonholed or put into a box and oh well that doesn't suit me I don't do that it's great that they give that variety that you're able to to enter one or I think there's about eight categories so it's it's yeah, it's very big. It's a wide range. It's neat. Is that televised? I'm just curious, making the link for people that might want to check that out. Yeah, know? no, I don't think it is, unfortunately, but um, it has a publication. It's got a magazine attached, so there's a lot of press in that, um, and they would have it on their website as well and all their socials, of course. Great. Yeah. Okay, we'll make sure to just uh, connect the dots so people can jump on and have a look. Again, for people listening outside of Australia, they might have something in their own country, but um, yeah, just to bring some visibility to it. Yeah. Um, uh, and just... Just looking at uh, connecting some of the dots here with you, I mean, you've built this company yourself. Um, do you find yourself networking a lot as the head of a company? You know, I'd consider you a CEO, essentially. Is that something that's part of your daily role, just um, 
you know, representing yourself as a CEO in, in either the Gold Coast community or across Australia? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I do attend a lot of events, so much networking. We've got a fantastic community, um, Butte industry community I'm part of. We They run annual events. Um, you know, we do a lot of expos and things like that, a lot of virtual stuff now online. So we're able to get overseas, um, independent beauty suppliers and um, different publications and things like that. So, yeah, I am – there's a lot of um, – networking or socializing you could probably say but networking sounds more professional you know um but yeah definitely there's a lot of industry events and things like that bell evolutions another one that um they're based out of brisbane which is fantastic so they run uh, bi-monthly events for the beauty industry she's a fantastic powerhouse behind that jess um yeah there's there's so many you'd need another whole podcast for all of that it's yeah they're fantastic it's great to there's a lot happening in australia the beauty industry is massive community which is it's so nice to be a part of yeah nice um i mean i can imagine the beauty industry is would be a larger percentage female i'm just guessing in terms of gender yeah it is in australia it is which is is um always strikes me as as a little odd because when I travel overseas, it's very male dominated, which is, yeah, isn't that indis- uh, you know interesting? So yeah, Australia is definitely more female, um, and overseas is is more male, especially makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really interesting. Okay, and and as a as a business head, um, do you have a feel of of representation there? So I guess the evolution of say female business owners, and um, are, are, do you get a sense that people are starting businesses more often based on experience and and seeing that through. So maybe more representation of females doing that? Absolutely, yes. There are so many more female um, CEOs now. Like, um, you know, over the years we've kind of seen it grow so much. Um, you know, some of the heads of the biggest companies in the world are now run by by women, which is fantastic. You know, it was um, – which coming from beauty I think is, is even more important because, you know, we are – majority of the time you know obviously uh, makeup's for everybody but the majority of time it, it's it's women that are wearing it and you know you always kind of question well you know if, if a male's running you know a makeup company how do they feel it and how do they wear it and how do they know it lasts and you know you ask yourself all those kinds of questions um so it's great that that women are getting out there and being brave enough to to take on you know, new branding and companies and, and run them and be CEOs themselves and not be afraid of that because times have changed. You know, my mum was a, a stay-at-home mum. She never worked, you know, like many people of, of my generation and never wanted to, didn't have that aspiration, didn't have that dream. And that's fine. That's great. If that's, you know, raising a family is your dream. I think that's wonderful. But if you've got dreams to do your own brand, be it a CEO, you know, run your own company, whatever it may be, whether it's shoes or beauty or, you know, hair or, you know, could be paint, um, I think it's fantastic. Absolutely, you should do it. Whatever fulfills you and makes you happy is is what life's all about. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that really ties into the, I guess, the origins of this podcast and just trying to uh, help people realize that they've probably got a lot of skill and experience and all that stuff um, has a place and people can appreciate that and so whether they turn it into a little you know a little passion side side project or it ends up being um, income and then income means well you're essentially your own boss and then you know then you go from there how far do you want to go with this kind of where i like to ask people is mm. um, but that confidence building first step is usually where people give up right away 
uh, is because they just don't either know someone. There's not a lot of role models. Um, maybe on the topic, is there a role model that you've kind of kept around to help you men navigate the next step? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, there's so many. I'm so lucky. I've got so many role models. I've got you know my teachers that you know I went to beauty school under here. You know, and many years later, worked beside them at the same beauty school teaching. You know, you know, so many mentors that I looked to, and you know, family in New York. You know, um, James Vincent, who runs the makeup team over there that I've worked with for so many years. You know, he's a huge role model and and business entrepreneur himself. Has his own brand over there in New York, and you know, we are constantly um, bouncing ideas off each other, and you know, zooming and and FaceTiming and. So many, him and his husband have been a huge support to me. Um, Danessa Myricks, another fantastic female CEO um, from New York um, who's just doing amazing things at the moment. I'm so fortunate to have so many people to look up to and, and you know, run ideas by and, and just learn from and really, really lucky that way. It's something I'm definitely not short of at all. It's, um, yeah, I've definitely made some fantastic family, I like to call them, you know, along along the way over these years that's for sure yeah oh, that's neat that's really neat to hear i mean obviously the you've done a lot i mean it's really um i, I appreciate you sharing some of the the many facets of what you're doing and i just wanted to get a sense of so we're here now um for the next time ahead uh do you do you go day by day i mean i imagine there's quite a bit of planning in in your the way you approach everything um how do you go about the next say year or year to five years is it is it clear or do you just take things as it goes um, yeah, great question. I am a big planner. I definitely have like a five-year plan in my head of where I want us to be and what I see. Um, in recent times, I've definitely let that go a little bit because I had my whole year planned out, as you can imagine, like many people in 2020 and, um, nothing went to plan. So that kind of threw me and I was like, right, we're just going to go day by day now. Um, so it's a little bit of both. It's definitely take each day as it comes because things can change that quickly, um, but have a goal ahead. Yeah, definitely have like a five-year plan where I want to be, what I'd like to do, um, where I see the brand, where I see myself um, going with the brand. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bit of a balance of both, I think, Um day by day is probably easier to manage at the moment for sure. Nice one. Perfect. Well, look, I, think, I really appreciate you um, sharing those many aspects. We'll just mention the links so if people want to follow along. Uh, we've mentioned the website before. Um, yeah. Just want to spell it out for us again. So it's urth-skin.com. That's Earth Skin. Or you can find me at Jody Watkins Beauty. Yeah, wonderful. Um, and I guess social media, if people want to click through, they've got, uh, are you on Instagram? All the same. Yeah, exactly the same. So websites and Instagrams are the same um, and Grafter Lashes in there as well. If you want to have a look at that, if you're in the lash industry, um, check us out there as well. Excellent. All right. Well, we've got some really great feel for uh, what you're doing here on the Gold Coast and in Australia. Um, guys, if you want to add to the conversation, feel free to join in and uh, mention the comments and, and look up Jody directly. So Jody, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Aussie Ambitions podcast. We appreciate your support and welcome your input. So if there is a topic that you would like to see covered, please let us know via our website, aussieambitions.com or any of our social media accounts. And please subscribe to receive all of our updates. We hope that you picked up some helpful tips helping you to get to where you want to go. And if you've got a story to tell and are able to come for a visit, definitely get in touch.